Welcome back to Roll for Enterprise, the podcast described as the squishy heart at the centre of Enterprise IT. And this week, continuing, in fact, the theme from last week, we still feel very old, because it turns out it's been 30 years since the album Nevermind by Nirvana was released, which I can't quite believe I had to go and check twice, but apparently it's true. Uh, so we dropped a couple of links in the show notes. Uh, one is a track-by-track listening guide from a bunch of interesting artists. Starts off with Dave Grohl, obviously, but uh, there are a few other uh, cool people in there. And apparently there's a massive 30th anniversary reissue. Uh, five discs, if you guess it has physical discs, that massive. And it's the original album remastered. It's uh, some concert recordings. It's the the secret uh, end, what's it called? Uh, Endless Nameless, the secret track at the end, uh, as its own seven-inch single. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of cool. Jeez. Yeah, I, I just recently saw David Grohl perform, at, like, they just inducted Foo Fighters into the Rock right. and Hall of Fame. Yeah, so I saw that, yeah. Yeah, feeling feeling old when you start to see him out there playing, so. Oh, gosh. I'm just feeling old thinking about all of this. I'm pretty sure I was... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. I feel like I was an infant when Nevermind came out, and um, I'm sure I wasn't quite an infant. But I mean, I was in Seattle, um, and I was probably in my early teens. And um, just taking myself back to that time, I think if you asked me, sort of on a on a cold day, like you know, how long ago was that? I'd be like, oh, five, ten years. <laughs> Turns out, maybe thirty. Nope. Bit more, yeah. Turns maybe out. 30. Yeah, for me, it was a classic friend's elder brother had uh, an nth generation cassette copy. And so this was a couple of years after, no, no, it can't have been, a, maybe it was even the, the year of release. Uh, so we had their house in the Pyrenees, family, friends, and he says, wait, check this out. Boom, head exploded. I had to have my own cassette copy, N plus one generation. But you know, like I'm, I, I was listening to a new artist this morning for no reason at all, except somebody posted it to Instagram, and I, my my thought was, I don't understand music anymore. Like I'm done. Like I can't do this. You know, I peaked it at Nirvana. <laughs> it was about as cool as I was gonna get, and it's just been downhill since then. The problem um, is, you listened on Instagram. Like, yeah, the world's messed up. There you go. Right. I listened to music on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, everything I listen to now is Spotify, and if it's not on Spotify, I ain't listening to it. Although there is a big uh, revival, like a lot of people are moving to Apple Music, which Dominic, you must be a fan of Apple Music. Yeah, I never got on with Spotify. Uh, the one thing I miss <laughs> about Spotify, I will admit, is uh, the sharing of playlists, uh, which yeah, doesn't seem right. to be a thing with Apple Music to the same extent. But I love Apple Music, both because it integrates with my massive existing iTunes library, and because it has the uh, the radio programs, so there's a ton of radio programs I listen to. Uh, so I was listening to uh, Strombo. He did his show all about the 30th of Nevermind. And I'll drop that link in the show notes as well, actually. So it's, it's well worth it for that extra content, uh, as well as just using it as a streaming service. Wait, who, who's Strombo? He's this uh, producer. I don't know the details. I discovered him through Apple Music, uh, but he he knows everyone. Actually, no, I lie. I discovered him through YouTube because he had these house parties where he'd get people like, you know, the Melvins playing in his living room and he would film it and upload it. And then he got a show on Apple Music. Interesting. No, I've heard heard their curated lists are pretty good, but I'm, yeah, no, I've been on, um, I've been on, uh, what's it called? Um, 
Spotify. Spotify, way too long. Strombo, Strombopolis. Yeah, yeah, he's George Strombopolis. Come yeah, it's oh, Canadian. I, oh. Yeah, so there you, you know go. Him? You know oh, him? Well, when you, when you say Strombo, <laughs> when you say Strombo, I'm like, can can it be Strombopolis? No, come on, come on. He's Canadian. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Tom, Spotify. Just, this should be by recommendation, but I'm just going to say right now, Spotify has an interesting function where you can actually co-listen to music. So I could like be on Spotify with you, Mike. We could as- go to the same link essentially right and then whatever songs i play will play for you and vice versa and we can manage it together queue which actually is kind of neat um and and new uh it's a little kludgy still there's places where it's it's buggy but um but it's a nice alternative to just shared playlists it sort of makes it a much more real-time experience yep 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 by the way the other thing to ios 15 as well by the way uh, I forget what it's SharePlay is that the one? Uh, oh, that's right, that's right. Even it even for videos, zero. Yeah, exactly. Even for videos and anything and for TV. Yeah. So when when we start watching Foundation, uh, if it weren't for time zones, but we could theoretically watch it together. That that that's, is crazy. Yeah, that's a nice uh, feature. It's a really nice feature. I just want to point out that in 1992, Dominic had a ripped cassette tape of Nevermind. <laughs> <laughs> the world has changed, yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know if people are hanging on to that stuff anymore. I, I think, um, I, I have heard that people do make offline lists because they may drop off some of the services. But, I mean, I don't I, I don't save music anymore. I don't, like, my CDs are have been destroyed. I mean, I don't know what the point to keep them is. By the way, the best thing about Spotify is they're Swedish, Daniel Ek, and I mean, they'll hire you anywhere in the world to do whatever job they need. They really don't care. They're really one of these pretty pretty progressive companies, I would say. So Yeah, and that's one enterprise angle. The other one is, you know, we were just talking about getting your metadata out of one service and then to the other service in a way that's usable. And it's usually impossible, whether it's Apple Music, Spotify, or any cloud service or whatever. Um, but but yeah. I don't know. Are, are people just playing curated lists? I mean, that's the the curated. And, you know, we talk about the yeah. curated internet. Like, no two people see the same Facebook. I mean, it's hard to get ads and all this. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But people share their Spotify playlists, and I can't access True. them unless I go manually and find the tracks one by one. Uh, it's True. got to be a damn good friend for me <laughs> to do that. But the other yeah. tech angle is that there was a story earlier in the week about how kids don't get file systems. And so there are all these stories about uh, both computing science students, but also people in astronomy. And just a couple of years ago, they started getting students like uh, first year university students come through the door who just don't grok the fundamental concepts of a hierarchical file system, which, you know, if you're used to a desktop operating system, your first reaction is, what? That's insane. How can you get through life without understanding, you know, C colon backslash yeah. <laughs> or slash USR slash root, you know, whatever it is. Um, but then you think about it for a moment that, like, wait, no, these are kids that have grown up with uh, mobile devices or with online services and all of these things. They completely obfuscate the notion of local storage, hierarchical storage. They find things through, through tagging, through metadata, through search, uh, or they never even store anything locally and they just rely on finding it in the cloud when they need it. It's such a mind shift uh, that's, uh, that's occurred there and completely unnoticed. 
I, I think, it, but you can see it in, in the way certain apps are working. Like, okay, everybody's on, on metadata, tagging files and this and that, and they don't care about folder structure anymore. Like folder structure, I mean, people look at, like when I create a folder structure, people look at me like I'm crazy sometimes, right? And, and I put numbers and yeah, I do all this crazy stuff, right? But yeah, you know, it, it, it actually annoys people. This is like yeah. the world has changed. Yeah. And the services fight you. I try to be hierarchical in my Google Drive and it's very, very hard to make it respect that and behave how I expect. But Google, why is Google trying to change behavior if you're if that's not your behavior, right? I, I think, and this is where we, we differ, Dominic. Yeah, it like, follows think, the majority. Yeah. <laughs> I think Dropbox is is like they'll let you do both sides of it, right? But if you go to the web side of Dropbox, it's totally like, yeah. I, I think they they give it more of that that Google feel, which yeah, I, I don't know. But by the way, anybody want to say anything good about Google Google Drive? Uh, I mean, I miss it deeply. What on my work laptop? Oh. <laughs> um, I I I will say this for it, you know. I use it actually as sort of a, in my side hustle, one of my other side hustles, um, making slides for uh, for church. Actually, I make church slides. I'm not a Christian, but hey, whatever. And um, and I have to say, it does it does solid textual search, which is what you expect, right? When you when you're pulling out that hymn that you've already animated once before, you absolutely don't want to animate it again, right? Um, and and it works real well with the slides in the Google Docs and and basically en enables me to go through and find exactly when the last time we sang whatever uh I don't know any hymns actually let's be real um and um and so from to that extent it actually works what I don't like is is Dominic's point right is that I actually mix a whole lot of domains in my world and then there's the shared files with me and the pieces that are um my friends and they're like, and so forth. And I just always feel like it's like looking into a really, really messy junk drawer in the kitchen where I'm like, you know, let me just ask it for the corkscrew and hope it answers me. And usually it answers me and gives me the corkscrew. But if, I, if I'm not asking right, I have a problem, right? Yeah, that's it. And I have all of these workflows where at some point I'm going to pop open a terminal window and <laughs> you, you can't use the terminal if you don't understand the hierarchical file system but yeah these people are relying on just the, the recents of you basically they they if it's not in the most recent screen of things they've touched it's gone it's dead it doesn't exist anymore but that's not a thing right how are we going to how are we going to matriculate these folks into our work life right and my our sharepoint is hierarchical there's folders and structures and projects or launches or acquisitions or whatever and they're all sort of lined up and inside the folder about you know, the XYZ launch is the marketing plan and the roadmap and whatever else, right? And and if if they're going to just go drop files willy-nilly everywhere, I feel like I could potentially lose my mind. But that's the thing. You, you if look they in tag a, it, yeah. Yeah. You look, in a file, you look in a folder and they're like, okay, what tags do I want to look at? And boom, boom, boom. And then they, they see what they need, right? What are the you know the most recent stuff i mean how often do you ever open something that's really old i mean that doesn't happen so much and i, I think it's so like task like it, work has changed i mean that that's the other thing right i mean if you work on strategy yeah okay you want to see like old versus new where have we been where are we going i mean most people come into the workplace they, they only care about the future and, and forward looking i mean and yeah, yeah. History it's why dies. we no longer write discrete documents. We just have an endless rolling Google Doc, and you just add to the top and add comments and have conversations in the sidebar. It's a different way of working. 
Well, look at the displacement. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look at look at the displacement of emails. I mean, how many long emails do you get? I mean, no one reads long emails anymore. I mean, if your email doesn't, yeah, but that's (laughs) like I'll tell you that. (laughs) It it actually like when you see a really long email, I I get a little. antsy because i think to myself like wow somebody spent a lot of time to put together this email like now i really need to read and kind of digest it because typically like it's short hey here's a link to here that's like other things you need to say like face to face or video to video whatever it is right i yeah i think that's the, the 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 changing workplace or the changing generation Maybe this is me because we have declared that we are all old and I'm old, right? But one of the things that actually irks me more than anything, and you can, you guys can just get ready with like the your old button. I don't know if we have like a side effect, uh, sound effect, but I think like <laughs> I, when somebody sends me a file in Slack, <laughs> like I actually start sort of twitching because the message has disappeared into the ephemera of Slack. It's no longer an item on my to-do list to read like it would be if it was in my inbox because I keep my inbox tight. It's like 50 items, right? What's in there I need to handle. And and then I'm like, I'm not going to remember. I should write it down. Maybe I should mark it as unread, like maybe indefinitely. Like it, it just actually agitates me. <laughs> yes, because again, it's a stream. You can't mark one thing as unread in the stream. Right. I have all of these actions. I write myself shortcuts in iOS so I can add an email <laughs> to a reminder. It'll come back to me. And You're- I know... A shortcut, I thought he was going to say, I build a Docker container that does this. And then that's, yeah. Well, you underestimated was his commitment to iOS in that. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Oh, oh, the Apple world. Well, because one day I hope to once again leave the home and be somewhere I don't have immediate access to my computer. It'll happen one day. Dreams. Yeah. But but, but I, I think like, okay, it comes to a stream. I mean, oh, you're a zero inbox person. 50. I don't say zero. Fifty. Fifty. Okay, hold on. Do you have folders in your in your in your email? Yes. And <laughs> filters to put I, some I stuff in folders. But but you don't. So you have folders, like tons of folders. No, I have three folders or two folders or you know three. It's done. <laughs> no. You're young it's, at heart, Mike. Yeah, you want to be done to be read. And later, I think that or done meetings like later, that's it. And and everything goes in there. And then I use search for everything else. So it yeah. turns out Mike is sort of prematurely millennial or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, but come on. Like, why, why would I track all these folders and everything? So, yeah, I, I don't get it in a file system, but I get it in email because it's like, man, search is so good. Right. So, yeah, I don't uh, no, Just dump it all there. Yeah, in fairness, in the difference between a folder that's fed by a filter and just a smart search isn't that great uh, conceptually. So, I mean, when you're looking for history, do you go to the folder and then just scroll? Maybe. Oh, <laughs> no. God, this is painful. Yeah. That sounds painful. But I no know, way. like, I just filed that last week. I'm sure I have the file somewhere here. Let me just sort by date somewhere last week. I know, like, you know, I don't know. Uh, Wait, maybe Scooper maybe Duper a- sent me the email, and so I'm finding Scooper Duper, and there's the email with the attachment. I don't know, it works for me. Other yeah. other email, like, do you delete email? Yes, I delete email. I don't need to save for sure. Yes, I know. we actually have a company policy about that. We're not allowed to keep it beyond. I hope our lawyers aren't listening. I I honestly did our compliance training. I, it's ticked off. <laughs> <laughs> 
we have to delete our email after whatever the retention period is. I mean, but don't they do it for you anyway, Dominic? Like, that's what I was looking for something for a couple of years ago. And I was like, oh, it is magically no longer. Oh, maybe they do in, through the magic of Gmail. Yeah. We're a Gmail, Gmail shop. Oh, golly. But but that but that's uh, kind of your that, that that's like kind of the legal people deciding and like if you take the, the the tobacco companies back then I mean they didn't want to keep anything so it was like yeah two days and it's probably deleted you know whereas if you're a heavy engineering company it's probably you know you want to keep stuff well they have different longer. retention periods yeah yeah. yeah. But yeah, we'll see how that works. I mean, this has always been my concern with Slack. I wrote a piece um, years ago decrying Slack trying to replace email because it's not as good as email, including things like retention and marking as unread and building workflows around it. So we'll see how that goes. And we'll come back to, there's this uh, college mindset list, uh, which was apparently changed hands a couple of years ago. I hadn't realized that at the time. But I dropped the the one for students graduating in 2021. And it's uh, even that is pretty mind-blowing. They've never known a capital of Germany that was not Berlin. Uh, ketchup has always come in green, apparently. Uh, wrong. <laughs> well, yes. They've always been searching for Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> so there's one here that's actually really stressful to me which is that they've always had emojis and that's a specific word emoji like because of course in 1992 while listening to nevermind i had those lists and lists of of colon semicolon uh, the printed book of those yes and we like we really would be like can you tell what that is? And you'd be like, that's drunk Santa Claus on New Year's Day. And you're like, okay. <laughs> and now there's these, there's actual, like, I don't think anybody could tilt their head to the side and think, oh, I'm really seeing, you know, Lucifer. The special <laughs> substances required for that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to go through these lists, even scroll back a couple of years and <laughs> see, you know, what are people entering university? So, you know, theoretically full-grown adults, uh, what have they never, ever experienced? And it gets more mind-blowing each year. I, I always want to know when, like, you have, like, young people in the workforce, like, how they think and look at things. And I think there there has to be that mix. But it's really bad not to change with that the time, right? So, like, I want to adapt and move to that, like, what they see and how they, they look at the world. Or no, Oh, yeah. You guys, you guys just... No. no, I agree 100%. We we have to adapt to a world in which hierarchical file systems are one of those implementation details that are hidden behind the scenes and yeah. not how humans interact with uh, with the system. Are you going to delete all your folders in your email? No. <laughs> Look, we all need our crutch in life. This is going to be my crutch. I'm just going to keep holding on to it. I do archive chunks of them at a time because I just can't deal with them anymore. Um, but yeah, I... I I don't know. I think on one hand, I do want to understand how, you know, there's so many things about Gen Z and how they look at the world. And, and I have a son, he's seven. And so like, there's so many things about his elementary school experience. that's so different from mine. Like I can't even imagine he's coming home and saying, you know, somebody's pronouns are they. And like in my world, you know, when we were seven, that wasn't even, even within the realm of possibility. And so that kind of progress is incredible to me and I love it. Yeah, that's that's um, pretty advanced that he knows what pronouns yeah. are at age seven. Well, you yeah. know, we live in a liberal outpost of Massachusetts. No, but... uh, I meant grammatically. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, that too, yeah. 
I think it's the only part of speech he's really got a handle on. Um, but, <laughs> but I feel like the 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 challenges is that you know it's those are somehow things that are different from the way that I actually functionally operate. I, in some way, it was it's easier for me to embrace the notion of pronouns in grade school than it is for me to do my online grocery shopping because I'm like, I, no, I used to push a cart down a freaking aisle and that's how I chose what to buy. And like that change hurt a lot, right? <laughs> because no. that new way of being was just real, it's just freaky, right? I'm, I'm kind of okay with it now. I'm not totally okay with it, but you want to be called they? Hallelujah. Let's do it. Yeah, these last couple of years are a forcing function, definitely, in the online shopping. Oh, it's awful. Yep. Yeah. But uh, moving on to tech topics, uh, a listener asked us to touch on epic fail with a K. And I mean, it, this is, in, it's interesting on several different levels. Uh, so the bottom line is Anonymous, who are apparently still a going concern. Uh, I kind of lost track of them a little bit. They're the guys with the Guy Fawkes masks. And they hacked uh, a service provider called Epic with a K. And they were able to obtain a decade's worth of information, including domain registrations and transfers, account credentials, emails, uh, apparently things like uh, cached SSH keys, the works. And so... You know, so far, so routine, one of these every week. Uh, it's uh, mainly noteworthy because it's not Yahoo this time. But <laughs> <laughs> Burn. Sorry, Yahoo. Um, but the, the interesting thing about this one is it's a classic insider threat. So they got all of this detail from uh, an insider, an employee of the company Epic. Um, then because it's political, they post it all as a torrent, but that's is a whole other side of the thing. I, I, I think it's also important to mention that just from a backstory that Epic is like the domain name register for uh, sites that other companies will not, will not uh, handle. Yeah. yeah. Will not handle because of, yeah, it doesn't align with their ethical beliefs or yeah. Some of these people might be a little hmm, interesting to say the least. Definitely that. But leaving that hot potato firmly on the table. Uh, the interesting thing about this one for me is it's the latest example of companies keeping around a lot more data than they need and failing to secure it properly. And we used to talk about data is the new oil and you just gather data and keep it around. You never know. You, maybe you can turn some machine learning loose on it and get some unexpected value out of it. And that hardly ever happens. What mostly happens is the data gets leaked or hacked or otherwise exposed. And now you have a ton more liability because you gathered a lot more information than you strictly needed to do your business and kept it around a lot longer than you needed to do your business. Um, so that's one side. And then the other side is the insider threat. Security InfoSec in general still has this us and them mentality. You protect the boundary against those evil people outside. And that's hardly ever the case. I mean, it was hardly ever the case even before the disgruntled employee was always a massive uh, threat vector. But it's not been the case for some time, even at the technical architectural level. Because, you know, our architectures are all inside out with web services interwoven with stuff that's uh, I'm doing air quotes here inside the firewall. And so you you just can't run that way. You have to assume that people are already inside 
and accessing this stuff. And so you have to secure it at every level. You have to have defense in depth. And it's kind of shocking to me that someone with the sort of threat model that Epic has, as you say, people that are unpopular uh, for a variety of reasons, and not, you know, double down on this and uh, really considered their security uh, a lot more seriously. Yeah, it's it's a obviously there's hot potato elements to this topic, but I think that the the real lesson here is is essentially the the idea that there aren't vulnerabilities in a system is just silly, right? Like it, it's you cannot. What's the old saw? The only system without vulnerabilities has the power cord removed, is buried in concrete, and thrown down a disused mineshaft. And even then, no. I'm not sure. <laughs> right, or or you know, in in more sort of prosaic times, like a secret that's known by two people might not be a secret, right? And and that's sort of the way that it it plays out in these situations. I don't feel as though, um, I, I feel as though like it, there's an element of like, are you really surprised every time I hear one of these stories? Not because not because, um, you know, hackers are going to be hacking, but because there's always a way in and there's always somebody willing to hold the door if you if you choose to put enough muscle behind it, right, and actually care. And, and so this, I think, is an, an instance of that. Um, but I think that generally speaking, when we're looking at um, operations that believe that they are aligned in their values, they also believe that everybody is there for sort of locking arms and, and super aligned with, with not breaking that kind of trust within their organization. But I, I, that's, I think that's a, a misplaced assumption that is born of executive hubris. Executive hubris. Uh, totally true. <laughs> um, you, you know, I've been listening to uh, Darknet Diaries and I, I don't assume that anything's secure anymore, you know, to the point where I'm like, you know, you, you start to write emails, you're like, mm, maybe I shouldn't put that in an email. Hmm. Yeah, this is a face-to-face conversation, you, you know, and it's it's absolutely true, right? I mean, and, and I think a lot of people are, are, are approaching it that way. I mean, it's sad, but I, I don't think there's anything that's secure. I mean, you, you got to assume that everything you've ever done will one day become discoverable and people will see it. And then you think of like, hey, what will this cause be? You know, I, I tell I, I tell uh, employees all the time, like, hey, we never want to answer awkward questions in the future. And they're like, what do you mean, Mike? I'm like, well, somebody might come and ask you if something like negative happens, like, hey, did you do this? And then you know, you may have to answer yes to that question and maybe it's not going to look good. And you need to think about that when you're making like decisions and how you're taking and how you're, you're doing things, because it might seem small today, but it could be big tomorrow. So I think that goes into a lot of decisions that people should be making. But of course, I, I think that's also like culture. Culture is like a slippery slope in, in those situations. Yeah. And there's a lot of... Um... Uh, there's a phrase for this which is slipping my mind right now, but it's the it's a particular fallacy that basically boils down to we've always done it this way and it's been fine so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and that's terrible. And, and you know, I I think like if you think to to COVID and what's happened, like if you think in the future, like a lot of things will transpire where bad things have happened in 2020 and 2021. Uh, that started here and, and yeah, will have bad ramifications in the future for the simple reason that I think people being at home locked in have lost that empathy. And again, that slippery slope has kind of gone down. And yeah, maybe it's we've always done it this way. But when did it start? It probably started when everybody was locked in their own home. And yeah, 
doing these things. I mean, I think there's a lot of, in my personal experience, it's a whole nother show, but like, how do you change? We've always done it this way. Usually it requires the confrontation of the, of the damage or the downside of having done it that way, which is an uncomfortable situation for whoever is, is having to do the change. And, you know, that, that matters for security postures and it matters for diversity at work and it matters for strategy at work. It matters for a lot of things, right? Um, I think creating both the safety to communicate the problem with having done it this way and the safety to also not tear down the person who did it that, that way for a reason and not in bad faith in, in to a great yeah. extent, right? Like you don't want to go litigate 1992 us on the back of our open-mindedness because we were a hot mess, right? <laughs> and, and so I, I just think that there's a, there's a lot of trust that's necessary in that negotiation um, that will allow these cultural things to shift. It's not easy just to say, we're not going to do it that way anymore without invoking a lot of people's, I've always done it that way and I don't want to feel bad about the way I did it for the last 10 years. Yeah, it's imagine? quite there's a concept of a blameless postmortem, but it has to be truly blameless. It does. And there's a lot of armchair quarterbacking, to use an Americanism quite possibly incorrectly, uh, where people go, oh, how could you possibly have done it that way? That's so stupid. And it's like, no, there's probably an organizational reason why that we did it admittedly that bad thing yeah. happened. Yeah. Uh, that, that's absolutely true. And I think people like can't put themselves in the shoes of that person back then and why certain yeah. things happen. Can you imagine the nightmare of working at Facebook? Can you imagine the nightmare of working at Facebook? Like the decisions. Well, you wouldn't be very you... popular at dinner parties, that's for sure. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh man, that that is like yeah, yeah. You, you tell me why well, anybody goes like working. Philip Morris. Yeah. Right. yeah, you just say no. I'm a you know child molester. <laughs> <laughs> that's better than saying you work at Facebook. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. it ain't it ain't it ain't a good uh, it ain't a good look. Yeah, it's a yeah. The only reason people go work at Facebook is the money. Yeah. I mean, also, I assumed it was the new glasses. Oh, no, yeah. the sweet Ray-Bans. Yeah, yeah. nice yeah. callback. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants to record everybody, so why not do it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the, these are hard problems. So it also drops in the show notes one of my very favorite piece of writing about this, titled simply Programming Sucks. And it is great. Uh, crack open a beverage and, so, you know, somewhere where you won't get in trouble for guffawing loudly at several points uh, during the reading. That's one of my recommendations. I also have a second one. I just finished a little short novella called Light Chaser by Peter F. Hamilton and Gareth Powell. If you recognize either of those names, you'll love this. Uh, if you don't, you're in for a treat. It's a sci-fi far future um, setting where the speed of light is actually properly part of uh, the story. And it goes in some very unexpected directions. But there's a bonus third recommendation because the link that I put to the book is to a service called BookBub, which uh, will send you links to discounted eBooks. And I've saved a ton of money using it since I was turned on to that. And I just realized I never shared this on the podcast. So there you go. It works with all eBook platforms. It's not like you have to buy some weird, crazy format that only works in their app. It will send you to, you know, Kindle or Apple Books or whatever it is that you use. So you should definitely check that out. 
both of you already shared your recommendations. So Lilac had Spotify and Mike had Darknet Diaries. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take it one step further. I think um, re- reading a, a book now and yeah, turned on from from Darknet Diaries. But Nicole Perloth is a cybersecurity reporter for the New York Times. She has a book out. This is how they tell me the world ends. Uh, great read. Ooh. And yeah, you'll never yeah. look at any him again. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's quite fascinating. So very good. Okay, well, with that, we have our reading for the next week uh, all lined up. And our listening, we can listen to Spotify together. So that's uh, perfect. You're all set. I, I may I may give Apple Apple Music a, a try now. Oh. Well, if, if you get your new iPhone, remember you get uh, a, a free tryout period of that and a free year of Apple TV and all of the goodies. So there you go. Yeah, which I have everything except that. Except Apple Music. So, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. No comment. (laughs) (laughs) It's been great talking to you. Thank you all for listening. Uh, You can follow the show on Twitter at Roll4Enterprise or on our LinkedIn page. The theme music is by my good friend Renato Podesta. Please do send us suggestions for topics and or guests for future episodes. And we will talk to you all next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.